Section 13 of Lives of the Presidents of the United States in Words of One Syllable. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by John Brandon. Lives of the Presidents of the United States in Words of One Syllable by Helen W. Pearson. Chapter 13 James Buchanan, 1857 to 1861. Buchanan was born in Franklin County, Pennsylvania, in 1791. He was the son of one who tilled the soil, and his first years were spent, of course, on the farm. When through school, he took up law, but did not try but one case while he was at the bar. It was a poor case, and he did not get a thing by it, but he won the suit, and put to rout those who sought to cheat his friend out of the land which had been left to her. When quite a young man, he was the choice of his state, as one to make her laws, and six years from that date he was sent to Washington, where he held his seat for ten years. He was sent by President Jackson to Russia in two years to look out for our rights in that land, and when he came back, went in our Senate House. In 1857, he was made president, and the first year he took his place, Utah would not bear the yoke of our laws, and sought to cast it off. At last, troops were sent out to force them to make peace and they at last made terms and laid down their arms. The next year Buchanan's rule was famed for one great feat that took place, and this was when Cyrus W. Field of New York laid the first wire through the sea so that words could be sent from our land to those in the old world. Talk still ran high from the north to the south on the cause of the slave, the great case known as the Dred Scott case was tried by the Chief Justice, Tanny, and he said that those who held slaves had a right to take them through with them, all the free states, just when they chose. Few of them were held in the North, and it was on the large farms of the South where they were most to be found. So you may know the South wished with all their hearts that the slave trade might go on while the North vowed that they would have none of it. In the fall of the year, 1859, the fires that had long burned with a slow flame in the hearts of North and South burst forth, and John Brown of Kansas, the friend of the slaves, was the first to fan the blaze that was soon to sweep our land and drench its green fields with blood and fill its hills with graves. This Brown was a man who left his farm to serve the blacks. He was poor. He had worked in the fields for his bread. But his name will go down to those born in the years to come as one who did not fear to lay down his life for what he thought right. He was the first to strike a blow for the cause of the slaves. With a score of men, he held the fort at Harper's Ferry for two days, he seized on all the arms he found there. As it was his scheme to arm the blacks with them and lead them to fight the South and set their friends free. 
Troops were sent out to seize this man, who set at naught the laws of the land. With the small band of brave men with him, he fought as did the old Greeks in the years gone by, with no fear in his breast. Though he knew too well his cause was lost, and that he must die. His two sons were shot down by his side, as he stood at the head of his band. But he did not pause. Still he kept a firm hand on his gun, and poured shot in the ranks of the troops. At length he fell with six wounds in the thick of the fight, but he did not die from them. He was hung, and on his way to the place where he was to give up his life, his last act was to kiss a babe in a slave's arms. But the torch that John Brown bore was not put out. It had fired the South and North with the fires of war. In 1860, South Carolina led the way, and a bill was passed which said that from that time they will not bear the laws of the Union, but would make their own laws. And it was not long ere six more states who liked the slave trade chose the same course that cut them off from the North. These states formed at last what was known as the Confederacy, and made Jefferson Davis their president. When Buchanan left the chair at the end of his term, he spent the last days of his life on a place near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where he died in June of 1868. He wrote a book on his life, which is still in print. When the time came to choose a new president, and the South said, if Lincoln was made the choice of the North and the West, they would leave the Union. At the same time, there was a great split among the Democrats as to what the whole country should do. The Democrats, as a party, had won all their fights, and would in this case, if they had kept solid. They had three tickets in the field, Stephen A. Douglas of Illinois, as the choice of one class, Breckinridge, the vice president with Buchanan, another, and John Bell of Tennessee, and Edward Everett of Massachusetts, still another. This, of course, made them very weak, and Lincoln gained the prize. End of chapter 13